Engineer versus COVID Delta versus Incompetent Politicians, part two. Where are we all headed? I'll put a link up there right now for part one and wait patiently for you to consume that and get up to speed. And then Nightmare Hellscape, here we come. The data I used yesterday is derived by New South Wales Health in a weekly published document called COVID Surveillance Report. 40-something pages, typically, like it's not quite a probability and statistics for engineers and scientists textbook, but it is pretty close. Unfortunately, though, it also takes New South Wales Health roughly two weeks to generate and publish those reports. Like, they've had a year to prepare, and yet, still performing like the friggin' Soviet bureaucracy. That's your tax dollars at work. Thankfully, the basic case, test, ICU and hospital admission data is released daily by them on Twitter. And that's where I got the past two weeks and the past few days of Delta information from. So two and a half weeks-ish from Twitter and the rest from their published reports. And I use this more recent Twitter data just to fill in the blanks. You can verify all of this with Google if you harbour any doubt about any of the numbers that I've used. It all seems to indicate that new cases are being reported at roughly 4.75% increase per day, okay, like compound interest. And this is the curse of geometric progression, right? It doesn't sound like much day to day, but it really adds up over time. Here's an example. If you put a dollar in an account at your bank, and if that account miraculously were to pay you 4.75% per day, you've only got like $1.38 after a week. But if you leave it there for another 51 weeks, it's almost $23 million, okay? Which is pretty good if it's money, but bad if it's infections. Testing has so far maxed out at 156,495 tests, but testing's been cruising at an altitude of just under 130,000 tests per day recently, and you have to remember that detections have at least some relationship to the volume of testing being done. For the past couple of days, that testing has dropped substantially, and yet cases have risen. If the test numbers stay reduced, it's representative of some systematic change, like, I don't know, the capacity of pathology labs being overwhelmed or testing requirements for high-risk workers being relaxed, or simply public demand for getting tested just dropping off. The reported statistics also mean the number of cases in society must be greater than that which is reported. And by how much? How would we know? You just can't know some things that you don't know, but they certainly do not detect every case. So actual cases out there has to be a bigger number. Also, it honestly doesn't matter what model you build, there's always gonna be some discrepancy between the model and the real world. Plus, there are discontiguities in the real world which mathematics cannot anticipate. Like, the model is just mathematical, okay? There's a real skill to knowing when it no longer pertains to reality. Here's a simple example involving beer. <laughs> Australia. You put yeast in a vat with sugar and hops, okay, and it turns into beer. The yeast eats the sugar and it poops alcohol. Like, 
move over clouds and harp music. That's my kind of heaven right there. More sugar, more alcohol. There is a known mathematical relationship, okay? So why not add even more sugar and brew yourself some nice fat 30-proof beer, especially in a pandemic? Well, problematically, most yeast poisons itself with its own pooped alcohol at about 10 to 15% poop. So the model is going to break down at 10 to 15% owing to the death of the yeast, which just stops pooping when it dies, like we all do, go figure. Mathematics is what I'm saying, cannot predict these kinds of real-world discontiguities. But the purpose of any model, okay, my model based upon New South Wales Health's public data so far included, is to predict the future. And in this case, to ask whether or not we are sufficiently informed or motivated and or prepared, okay, whether we have the right leaders giving us good information. Okay, so just to recap where we are fundamentally, let's start the clock on the 14th of the 8th, because on the 14th of the 8th, for the week prior to that, the week that ended on the 14th of the 8th, the average of the number of new cases per day was 349. We know that. Okay, that's publicly available data from New South Wales Health, and I have no reason to doubt that. Okay, and the growth rate of the virus on a per day basis seems to be four and three quarters percent per day. Okay, and if you do that, the daily average for the week that we're in right now should be something like 484. We have had a couple of very high numbers for the past two days, we're five days into this week already, and the average for the week on those five days. 532, which is 10% higher than the model predicts. The week's not over yet. If we have another couple of lower numbers for the next two days, and there is always noise in the real world, then we'd maybe be back closer. We might be even worse. Who knows? It's impossible to predict the future on a granular level like that. But certainly we know that every two weeks, case numbers practically double. So 349 to about 700, and then two weeks later, you know, from about 700 to about 1400. In other words, every month, case numbers are doubling. Just like the chessboard from the last video, where you put one cent here, and then it's two cents, and four, and eight, and 16, just like that, okay? So what we basically know here is that that's gonna get big really quickly, unless there are some mitigating factors, such as, everyone getting miraculously vaccinated in that time and that injecting a real, literally injecting a real dampener on the progression of the pathogen in society, right? Or we could impose additional restrictions, or I don't know how, but we could do that and that might be a dampener of sorts as well. So there's a couple of other problems with these really big numbers suggested by the model down here. 132 days, incidentally, is Christmas, 132 from there and 139 is New Year's Day. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hope it doesn't get to that. Obviously, you're looking here at like 23,000 new cases a day if nothing changes and the model keeps proceeding. And I need to stress that the further away you get from T0, the dodgier these predictions become because the real world has the capacity to change. And unless we get all the data that flows from between here and here and incorporate that and update the model like good scientists, then we really are just blowing smoke out of our asses, and I hate that. So this is probably 
safer territory to be in than this. I just put these numbers here for a reason, right? And the reason would be we don't have the contact tracing, right? We haven't got the capacity to do the tests to derive that many positive results per day. You've got to be kidding. And what would be the point anyway? Because if there are 23 cases a day, 23,000 cases a day in a population of 8.2 million people, you'd have to say that the genie is properly out of the bottle and uh, diving down into the granular detail of statistics and did it come from Woolies or Coles is kind of meaningless, right? I certainly hope it doesn't get here because reality does have that ability to change dramatically and the weather could be a factor or mutation of the virus could be a factor and all of those other things like, you know, getting vaccinated, things that we can do that are within our control, they could change the future as well. But the main thing is, I think, just keep adding data to the model and refining the predictions as this sort of really critical period. See, this shows me more than anything else that the next 60 days is absolutely critical to suppression because if we don't manage suppression by here, we're kind of screwed. The, the genie is properly out. And none of the politicians will say that to you either in an honest sort of intellectual sort of ethical debate with you about how you can help with suppression this is why you shouldn't just go out and have fun okay i like fun as much as the next person but that's not fun i've had fun and this definitely isn't that and i'd rather see a deficit of fun in this period so that i could maybe have a surplus of fun down here and so that so many other people don't pay a terrible, terrible price in this next three months to Christ knows when. We can certainly change the system fundamentally. Like, for example, freedoms can perhaps be further constrained or vaccinations can rise and the Delta strain might mutate, which viruses do more or less continuously, usually for the better, by the way. Spring's gonna hit and then summer and the virus might be suppressed by the warmer weather as is the case with the influenza virus, typically. Like, who knows what's going to happen? But the thing that shits me is these public officials telling us all what a great job they're doing. They're not. Telling us that they've got this under control. They don't. Telling us that rising case numbers are somehow our fault. It's not. Not giving us clear reasons for their decisions, such as stay home whenever you can, otherwise nightmare hellscape. Not honestly delivering the facts is what I'm saying. Every press conference is the Keystone Cops, only also philosophically pornographic because they're mainly bunging it on for the money shot on the nightly TV news. You can absolutely bet that the last person who talks to these assholes before they mask up for the daily news conference is their frigging spin doctor. This is a marketing campaign because we wouldn't want COVID to make anyone's ass look fat, would we? Certainly not someone important. Forget nightmare hellscape. Like the real mission here every day at 11am is to achieve re-election. One of my personal heroes, Winston Churchill, did not run World War II for the Brits as if it were some advertising campaign. He got the frigging job done and you didn't have to like it, okay? And you didn't have to like him. He was quite okay with being hated, as am I. 
something to aspire to. Imagine blaming the Germans for every battle you lost and then patting yourself on the back for every victory. That kind of leader is just undignified. I'd suggest that history will judge very unkindly the performance of our extremely low-rent politicians, just as the rest of the world currently views our nation as a laughingstock. For good reason. You wonder why I call the joint Shitsville? Look around. Life is normal enough in London right now. They've got Delta. They had it before us. Just saying. London. The latest surge of COVID-19 cases in the UK is giving rise to growing optimism among doctors and scientists that the highly transmissible Delta variant of the coronavirus can be held at bay with high levels of vaccination and public caution. Although caseloads are now ticking higher after Prime Minister Boris Johnson dropped almost all public health restrictions mid-July, hospital admissions have been falling and deaths are a fraction of the levels seen in earlier phases of the pandemic, according to the latest official data through early August. That's a quote from the Wall Street Journal eight days ago. Difficult to see a similar report being published here anytime soon, owing to the botched vaccination rollout. If you just lost your job or you're doing it tough in some other way, your business for example, you know exactly who to thank. Our so-called leaders need to man up and woman up respectively. It should be made unequivocally clear that the reason for lockdown and vaccination is so that cases of critically ill people do not rapidly outnumber available treatment facilities as they easily could by Christmas or thereabouts, subject to any deficiencies in my interpretation of the data or new information which might come to light, like the trend is there. So. Do you really have to go to Woolies this afternoon or are you really just getting out of the house? Premier Berejiklian said while New South Wales was winning the war against COVID-19, ABC News there last Sunday. There's no evidence that any victory is imminently at hand, at least not that I can see. Senior press conference assholes are projecting restrictions into the end of October presumably because they're looking at the same geometric progression that I just showed you. It seems to me that we can mandate speed limits and worksite safety procedures and we can decide who gets to sell alcohol and we can even tell you how big a shed you can build in your own friggin' backyard. But we can't mandate vaccines, life-saving vaccines for the population. We can conscript the population into the army and send them to frigging Vietnam. We can force you to fill out the frigging census. But getting you vaccinated, hey, that's up to you. Like, please. Extraterrestrial life still declines to make official contact. Coincidence? Probably not. It's a medieval approach, is what I'm saying. We cannot see this trend continue. I wish we were not in this situation. I wish things were getting better. Big Gladys there again. The same ABC News report from Sunday the 15th of August. Like, those two statements seem impossibly conflicted, like they come from different universes. And I'm suddenly confused here in the public. If we are winning the war, why can this trend not continue? And vice versa. And if we're winning the war, why aren't things getting better? 
When will this aimless, confusing, bullshit stream of consciousness stop? And intellectually honest dialogue actually start? Like the leadership, this messaging is dysfunctional. It's absolutely dysfunctional. It's a disgrace. It's an insult. And there's already a great deal of ambient confusion out there on things such as vaccination. And this is why clarity from the top would be so frigging useful. I'm not saying that my model is in any way definitive, like I'm no prophet, right? Move over Nostradamus, I'm not coming through. Progression could trend slower or faster than the model, right? It's subject to systematic discontinuities that I may not have considered, and it will absolutely change as we get more data in coming weeks. And I'm certainly not trying to scare you. But we have to put the data first and the opinion polls second and have contingency plans in place and use facts to get the public to buy into the solution. That's kind of imperative. I want to know what's the plan if things get bad, if we need more hospital beds than there are currently, for example. We get deafening silence on that. Like, what are we preparing for? Are we just hoping that the future is going to be rosy? One does hope that they are working on this, but do I trust that they are? I certainly do not. All I've done here is extrapolate the available data to the best of my ability in the way that a politician never would, or frankly could, an intellectually defensible way, okay? The further away you get from now, the less reliable any projection becomes. But I've just shown you the basic trajectory if nothing salient changes within the system. There's no reason why 95% of the adult population of New South Wales cannot understand any of this or cope with it, frankly. Keeping people in the dark is not the same thing as protecting them. There's no reason to treat the collective public as if he or, she, he or she is an idiot. Like, here's the risk, okay, which we want to avoid, which none of the spin cycle politicians and public health, quote unquote, experts will say out loud. It's why getting most of society vaccinated really matters and ditto minimising any external contact whatsoever. Personal opinion. We've got this useless Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, who cannot apparently even admit to the public that the vaccine rollout is, let's be kind, not going as well as expected. That's functionally incompetent, not to mention and or dishonest. His counterpart in New South Wales, Brad Hazard, is even worse. Here's a guy who is emblematic of why the public has lost trust in elected officials. He is, at best, in my estimation, a bumbling clown who I would not trust to manage the local op shop, let alone the health of 8.2 million people. I would also never put him in the same room as a friggin' TV camera for fear that he might attempt to speak. And that is something I know quite a bit about. This novel COVID Delta New South Wales society experiment is running right now. It's a kind of clinical trial and you and me and everyone else, we are all in it. Together with, of course, the virus and the countermeasures being only two, like minimise personal interaction and get yourself vaccinated. It's only two things, the countermeasures, but they both really matter. More data is doubtless going to unfold and we'll have to update the model, right? Because that's what honest science does. 
But you should not lose sight of the other pandemic here, hidden in plain sight, more insidious too, caused exclusively by asshole politicians, bureaucrats and CEOs who are so divorced from reality that they deal with everything through the prism of spin, no matter how fundamentally serious it is. What's missing here is honest dialogue and effective action. Like, yeah, this is bad, we made mistakes. Now we need to pull together and beat this thing. Why not say that? The main transmission vector is inside households. Here are some countermeasures you can implement there. Like, here's the plan. You need to help. Like, how fucking hard is this? If Apollo 13's substantial plumbing problem had been managed in the manner of this, Jim Lovell, John Swigert, Fred Hayes, they would have died in space in April of 1970. But I guess we'd all be told who to blame, like some subcontractor, no doubt. We'd be informed how this was actually a net positive for space exploration, like the wake-up call we had to have, and how future missions into the void would be impossibly excellent as a result. Spare me. We need strong leaders now, not these empty suits. We need to fix our broken political system, which seems to select for incompetence and expediency at the very top, which is fine, I guess, if it's all plain sailing, but not if it gets stormy. However, if you want to bake the cake of distrust and ice it with just the right fertilizer to grow endless conspiracy theories, then this is an award-winning recipe Margaret Fulton, tick of approval right there, dude. ScoMo, Berejiklian and Hunt and Hazard, they run exactly this crackpot bakery every day endlessly, on full pay while the economy collapses and the virus proliferates irrespective. Nero would approve of this management style too. This is the most disgraceful, politically expedient and functionally dishonest instance of crisis as pornography that I have ever frigging seen. And COVID, even the Delta strain, is by any historic estimation a mild pandemic at worst. And that is simply dumb luck or nature throwing us all a softball, whichever way you look at it. If COVID were more like measles in terms of how contagious it is and Measles is one of the most contagious diseases. And if it were more like MERS in the context of being deadly, MERS was thankfully very hard to catch, but it did manage to kill roughly a third of the people who caught it. If it were both of those things, right, or trending even just closer to the behaviour of both of those diseases, then we really would have been looking at some nightmare hellscape. We'd be in it now. Dystopian future, here we come and we'd have some of the worst leaders on earth for guidance and essentially zero preparedness. A little something to think about for the next state and federal elections, I'd suggest.